Hello and welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm Tom Chrisman, Chief Creative Officer at DeMassimo Goldstein, an inspiring action agency in New York City. And today, I get to talk to Alex Brueggemann and Ivan Witted II. Alex is the talent coordinator at 72 and Sunny in New York City, and Ivan is a junior writer at 72 and Sunny in New York City. And they, we talk a lot about inclusion and diversity in the industry. Uh, we talked about how they both sort of found their way to advertising in, in different ways. And that was really interesting. We talked about mentors and the importance of mentors getting into the industry. And yeah, I, it, was a really, it was a really interesting conversation, a uh, different perspective. I think you're gonna like it a lot. But first, the A-List is brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. Advertising age called Ad House New York's newest, smallest, and arguably hippest ad school. Their philosophy, an ad class is only as relevant as the professional who teaches it. Ad House classes are taught by the best in the biz at the agencies where they work. You get to go right in there and see what's up. You get 10 weeks of classes for just 600 bucks. To apply, go to adhousenyc.com. And for the latest news, follow Ad House NYC on Facebook. And now, my interview with Alex Brueggemann and Ivan Witted II. Alex and Ivan, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Great. I'm good. Um, so we're, we're doing this by, by Skype, so uh, by phone call, so I, I don't see you guys here in the studio. But uh, <laughs> where, where are you right now? Are you in New York City? We are indeed. We're at um, 72 and Sunny in, uh, in Dumbo, Brooklyn. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, excited to meet you guys. Uh, we've never met, but um, we're uh, – so, I, I, you know, doing uh, two at a time is, uh, is different. Uh, we do it yeah. sometimes. <laughs> but uh, if, if we could go uh, Alex first, maybe, where, where, did, you, where did you grow up? Um, I kind of grew up all over. Um, I'm uh, from Haiti originally, but I principally grew up in Tucson, Arizona. And then um, lived for a while in D.C. And then I've been in New York for about seven and a half years now. Nice. And when you were born in Haiti, did how how old were you when you left Haiti? So I was actually so it's complicated. <laughs> I was born <laughs> in the states and um, uh, moved to Haiti as a as a young child, and then moved back to the states. Wow. Um, when I was about seven years old. Okay, so you yeah. you definitely had a had a, a time in your life when you uh, lived in Haiti. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean it's home. Yeah. It's one home. <laughs> uh, what what did uh, what did the parents do? Um, my I was raised um, just by my mother, um, uh -huh. and my mom is a special education teacher. Oh wow! And that's yeah. what she did in in uh, in Tucson. Yep, yep. Um, and then, uh, well, now she's um, she's uh, she's retired, but after right before her retirement, she was. Um, a professor at um, Pima Community College and the University of Arizona. Yeah, and and Ivan, uh, same same question to you. Where where did you grow up? So my story is not nearly as complicated or interesting. <laughs> um, but I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, That's pretty interesting. Yeah, elementary, middle school, high school there. Also went to college in Georgia, and then. Went to advertising school in Georgia too. So yeah. I kind of kept it on. And then I decided I needed a break from Georgia and I moved my behind to New York City. When did that happen? 
Ooh, recently. So okay. I moved in June. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's been about a year almost. Yeah. It's not always this hot. I'll just tell you that much. Oh, man. I was not ready for that. Like, I don't know why it's... <laughs> I just assumed that New York summers were like a nice 75 degrees. 72 and sunny, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, today's pretty nice. But anyway, this will be – um, uh, talking about the weather on the podcast. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, and what did your parents do, Ivan? My dad is an accountant and my mother is a teacher, elementary school Oh, wow. Teacher. Two teachers yeah. there. Um, yeah. so what, uh, both for a question for both of you, what, mm-hmm. at what point did you sort of consider, uh, a, I guess what, what did you want to be when you were in high school? Um, and sort of what was that like, uh, just it, from the, cause a lot of, a lot of our listeners are young people and, and they're sort of going through that, like, what do I want to be kind of thing? Um, mm-hmm. wh- what was it like for you guys in high school, kind of figuring out, like, what do I want to be? Where do I want to go to college? All that thing. Right. Um, in high school, I mean. And this is Alex. I think talking I've, I've changed. Yeah, this is Alex. Yep. yep. Um, in high school, um, I was really into into sports. I was into track. It was that was kind of like my my life at that time. Um, so I always had aspirations of, you know, like going to the Olympics, like every kind of, you know, young kid who's yeah. um, kind of grew up in a sports world. But, um, you know, most people don't ever make it to the Olympics. So yeah. <laughs> when I went to college um, and I realized that um, even though I was still running track in college, I realized that um, track wasn't going to be a sustainable thing for me. Um, yeah. That's when I switched to anthropology. Um and, and why anthropology? Was, why did you why did you choose that? I've always kind of just been a culture geek. Um, I've been fascinated by by um, by humanity um, and history and all of those different things and how we work and how we work with each other and and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I kind of um, I switched majors a few times, but I landed on anthropology mostly just because it was something that constantly kept my interest. Um, and I didn't really know what I would be able to do with it um, mm-hmm. until I actually got a job working for the National Park Service. So oh, wow. I was uh, worked in cultural resource management and as a archaeological technician for about three and a half years. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, what uh, did what parks did you did you actually go to digs and things like that? Yeah, um, I worked at Monocacy National Battlefield, which is um, near Frederick, Maryland. Yeah. Um, and I was principally um, excavating uh, an 18th century slave village. Um, it was at one point the second largest um, slave, vi- slave um, community in um, Frederick Ca- County, Maryland. Um, so we were excavating the, their living structures, um, finding all sorts of artifacts and everything like that. Wow, that is, that is amazing. Um, that must it have been fun. so interesting. <laughs> It was it was definitely interesting. It was also hard as hell to do. It was just I had to wake up at like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, we'd be out in the sun in the middle of the field for six, seven hours a day, and I would just be like covered in bites and dirt. So, <laughs> but it was it was definitely I think one of the most fulfilling jobs that I've 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 had thus far. Yeah, 
and that'll that'll be interesting to see how that sort of morphs into your uh, your interest in advertising. But uh, before we get to that, Ivan, same question to you. What what did you want to be in high school, and and how did you sort of work that through? Yeah, so in high school, I have a big musical family, so I was always in church singing, um, booking like gigs on the side, doing like background vocals, and oh, wow. then I took up uh, violin. And I played orchestra for like most of the years of my life. But other than that, I've always been really interested in writing and literature. But at the time, I was not sure how either of those were going to pay the bills. And my yeah. parents were like, um, yeah, you can be a musician on the side. You can do writing <laughs> on the side. Um, so they were like, uh, maybe you should consider like science or business or something that could yeah. you know, give you a sustainable living. Um, but I wasn't hearing that at the time. So in I went into college kind of thinking that I wanted to do writing and, uh, and journalism. Yeah. So for a while I was like, okay, that's what I'm doing. But then I kept, I think that was around the time that I saw all these articles. It was like, yeah, all of these journalism businesses are dying and newspapers aren't a thing anymore. Mm. I'm just like internally freaking out about my future. Yeah. And I gravitated toward public relations because that seemed like a field that, I don't know, could be profitable from yeah. what the advisor in college told me. They said I would be making like a decent amount of money and I could be like, I could write. Um, but what I found that when I got into it, a lot of it was like very templated press releases and not as much room for the creative style writing that right. I wanted to do. So yeah. After college, I was just like, oh, God, why, why did I do this to myself? My parents are right. I should have been a scientist. Yeah. Um, and I got my first job not in PR, but in, um, in advertising as a, like an account management person. An account person, um, yeah. Yeah, I started as an account person. But the agency that I was at was in Georgia, um, so small that I kind of wore a bunch of hats. So I was like copywriting, not knowing what copywriting was and dear God, um, art directing and graphic designing with what I knew and yeah. using YouTube videos. Yeah. And I realized that I hated the account side of the business. Yeah. I was like finding myself in that college rut once again. Yeah. Um, but luckily the creative director there saw something in me. It was like, you might be good at this copywriting thing. Oh. Check out this place called Creative Circus. And from then on, I've been an advertising baby ever since. Right. Um, so, uh, Alex, you, you went to uh, Howard, right? I did go to Howard. Um, what what yeah, made you choose it, it, Howard? Did you always want to go to Howard or were there, were there other uh, places that you were thinking about? Well, I did my um, first two years at the University of Arizona. Um, mm -hmm. And I was running track there, but my uh, beginning of my sophomore season, I, I got injured and I couldn't really continue my um, ah. my track career. So um, at that point, I had lived in Tucson long enough and I was just sick of the desert. I was sick of the small town kind of life and everything. And I wanted the exact um, opposite of it. And I chose Howard mostly because I wanted to be taught by people who look like me and learn in an environment um, that really kind of catered to um, my history and, and 
and studying black people and cultures and stuff like that. So yeah. I chose Howard, which is, you know, the Mecca. Yeah. I'm sure a, a, a few other HBCUs will have something to say about that. Yeah, we have, we have, <laughs> we have one here in the, in the studio. Uh, he's, he's listening intently. Um, it's you. <laughs> not me, not me. Um, uh, I went to FIT, which, you know, is not, uh, not a Mecca for much, but, uh, for fashion, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. were you, were you studying anthropology at, at University of Arizona as well? Or did you switch to that? Um, yeah, I, I was originally studying, um, um, African studies at okay. University of Arizona. Um, so I went to, when I went to Howard, I could have kept on with that major, but, I liked that anthropology was a little bit more all-encompassing. It studied linguistics and genetics yeah. and and all of those different things. So it was um, I wanted a little bit more of a holistic, um, scientific um, background as far as how I studied myself and studied yeah um, cultures. Yeah, um, and then uh, Ivan, you uh, you went to University of Georgia. Uh, and then it sounds like you you uh, when you when you you picked pub public relations there, but once you got out, you realized, uh oh, I gotta figure this something else out. Um, oh, I did. Yeah. And 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 this person at uh, I guess it was Lens. Is that where you were? Uh, yeah. Your first Lens. job. Um, mm -hmm. What what uh, who was that person that sort of was like, hey, maybe you're good at this copywriting thing, and and how did they? help you uh, figure out how to how to pursue it? Yeah, so his name was Cameron Spivey. Um, I said was like he's not alive anymore. He's alive <laughs> and well. <laughs> Hello, Cameron but Spivey. He, yeah, hey, Cameron. What's up, man? <laughs> um, but he was such a, a good person. Who, he know I didn't know anything yeah. about copywriting, and he saw, like, my supervisors giving me these copywriting assignments. Yeah. And there were times where I would just go sit downstairs where the creative department was. I was almost never at my desk. Yeah. And he was like, hey, I have, like, some radio scripts. They're not going to be, like, super fun, but yeah. here, here's a chance of giving you, like, a taste of what the advertising creative part of the business is. And so... I got a bunch of assignments like that. He kind of guided me on just like what good, what good copywriting even is. And right. after a while, he was like, "Ivan, you should get out of here and like <laughs> pursue your dreams." And I, I'm so I'm forever thankful to him for helping me out. Yeah. So, uh, did, and you had to do your other job as an account coordinator as well while you were doing that, right? It's, it's Ooh, like I surely did. Double so job. Lynn, yeah, man. So Lens works with a lot of healthcare um, agencies. So uh -huh. like DeKalb Medical in Georgia is like really, and Resurgence Orthopedics are like really, really big uh, doctors' practices up there. Yeah. And I learned so much about just like how how to work with clients. And I have so much respect now that I'm a copywriter of what yeah. the account and brand people go through. It, it's not an easy job. It's sometimes a thankless job, but you need somebody to manage that relationship and knows how to do that. So, woo, having been on both sides of the fence, I I am super best friends with a lot of the account people here. Yeah, that's too. that's a really good uh, sort of insight that, you know, yeah. account people are, um, you know, they're, they're uh, the joke is that they're the enemy, but it's, they're, yeah, they're the people that help you get things done. So that's Absolutely. really good that you got that, you got that insight early on. Maybe everybody should start out as, as an account person. I think some, they need the experience because it will open your eyes, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I try to be friends with with account people and and because they are the ones who have the clients here. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, so Alex, you uh, you you did this uh, the you were working at the Park Service. At what point did you realize this advertising thing, and how did that how did that come about? How did you how did you make the switch? Um, I would say that it kind of came out, um, came about out of sheer desperation at first. Yeah. <laughs> when I moved to, um, um, at a certain point, I, I realized that I didn't want to be an archaeologist. I was um, supposed to go to um, University of South Carolina to get a combined master's PhD, uh-huh. and I kind of got extreme cold feet. I was just like, I, I'm not going to spend the next eight years of my life in school. I can't do it. I want to. You know, enjoy yeah. my my make terrible decisions. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I felt, um, you know, the best place to do that would be New York. So I left DC and I left Maryland and I came up here. Wow! And so without anything, without a job, without a plan, or was there was there a plan? There was absolutely no plan. I think um, <laughs> I was a, I was a bartender for a while. Worked in hospitality and stuff like that. Yeah. I think the the I guess. What you can call a plan is I wanted to be a writer as well. And I had like some success, you know, I was published in um, for a few short stories and and some poetry. Yeah. And writing is something that I'm still very, very fond of. Um, But I think that after a while, I was just tired of being a struggling creative um, that was working, uh, you know, like hospitality jobs and everything like that. And Mm -hmm. I wanted some kind of, of stability. Um, and I kind of stumbled into advertising. I was at first a receptionist um, here at seventy two. At seventy two and sunny, yeah. Well, how did you how did you find seventy two and sunny? Why 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 that place? Um, I knew someone here. Okay, it's, 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 it's as simple as that. I was kind of. Um, Who did you know there? Um, Tobia Saint Germain. She's a she was a recruiter here. She's at yeah. Widen now. Um, but she was one of my one of my best friends, and she kind of introduced me to to the world of advertising. And she's the person who kind of says, like, even though you don't really have any advertising experience, you know, my my experience in in um, in anthropology is actually kind of an asset in this industry as Definitely. far as understanding humanity and everything like that. And I said, I don't really have anything else to lose, and <laughs> yeah. here I am today. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, tell me about how does it sort of, uh, what do you find are the things that sort of overlap between uh, anthropology and, and advertising and your yeah, job absolutely. now? Uh, and right. you're, by so, the way, you're right the talent now, coordinator at, at 72 and Sunny, correct? I am. I'm, um, I'm the talent and uh, diversity inclusion guy here. Um, so I think especially with regards to diversity and inclusion initiatives and, and stuff like that, um, anthropology was has been extremely helpful in me kind of driving some of the things that we're doing here. Mm. Um, and I think it's because anthropology requires you to have a holistic understanding of humanity and to kind of adopt a historical pers- perspective about how things are, why we are the way we are. Yeah. Um, and it kind of just teaches you to like cultural reflexivity, um, which is basically just to um, understand humans from their perspective um, and to understand where they come from mm. um, with as little bias as possible. It's just, you know, you look at a group of people and like, this is 
who they are and this is what they do and this is the way that they speak and there's no kind of judgment associated with it. Yeah, it's not and a I good or a that, bad thing. It's it's just that's the way things are in that culture. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. And um, as far as, uh, you know, talent and, and diversity and inclusion, you know, this is um, employees are my clients, essentially. Right. And um, it's really important, I think, for for us to end the advertising world, especially um, in an industry that hasn't really been uh, receptive to a lot of um, marginalized people. Right. You know, when you look at the, the industry as a whole, it is still overwhelmingly white and male. Yes. Um, and I think that anthropology kind of showed me that it doesn't have to be that way mm. and that there we can make um, concerted efforts to kind of really um, diversify the, the industry. Yeah. Um, so I want to get back to how you uh, how you went from from. Uh from receptionist to to your job now, um, but Ivan, let's let's talk about uh, coming to New York. So so, um, how did you get how did you get to New? Uh, well, you came here recently. So, but you, your first yeah. uh, actual gig in advertising, you're you're a Digitas, and was that in was that in Atlanta? Yeah. So at the Creative Circus, all right. I went to the Creative Circus, which is in the advertising school in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Um, and I think I got to my fifth or sixth quarter there and realized that I really, to see if I was really, really serious about this. I was doing well in school, but I was like, school only translate into an actual job so much. Yeah. Like they teach you what you need to know, but then at a certain point, you you have to see if you can actually cut it in the industry. So yeah. I got an internship at uh, Digitas for a while working on Delta and like writing some fun email copy. but. Mm-hmm. I think that job in and of itself showed me that this is serious business. Yeah. And I think from there on, I was like, I can do this, but it's going to take me a lot more. Uh, it's going to take a lot more of myself than I've been giving previously while in school. Oh, interesting. So you, you were you were sort of that was sort of a wake up call for you of like, oh, oh, goodness, this is this is real. Um, it was, man, because like in at the circus, you get what uh, maybe two weeks to work on an assignment. Yeah. Um, to go from like concept to like to an actual execution, but yeah. when you're actually in an agency, you can get briefed one day, and then there'll be a check-in, and you'll have something due like by end of day that day. Yeah. And so I think getting used to the speed of the agency environment was something that Digitized helped me with, like. And I still use that today, and I thank God for that experience. <laughs> yeah, that was not always the case that you had to do a, 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 in a day, but uh, it it seems to be now. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so that was interesting. And and how did you respond? What was your uh, what did you do to sort of uh, get serious, as it were? I think I removed a lot of other distractions from my life. I like work life balance is important, but I think I was putting. I was giving like a 70 me 30 work. Yeah. So I kind of just like shifted the balance a little bit. I stayed a little bit later when I had to didn't kill myself over it, but I right. realized I wanted, I wanted a job. I wanted to get paid for writing. It's something yeah. that I've always wanted to do. So I kind of just started, made that mental shift and started taking it really, really seriously. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? The, uh, that, that point where you have to say, okay, I'm not going to go to that party. I'm going to, 
yeah, stay in and do some work or I'm not going to. And, it, you know, it happens to everybody at a different time. But um, it's I, uh, I, I didn't I didn't quite expect it to. You know, I expected that in college. You yeah. Know, you don't think that you'll have to make those types of decisions as an adult, but you still do. And it, yeah, that blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then you get better and then you, you get better jobs. And uh, yeah. And then, you know, eventually you can slack off. No, I'm just kidding. You can't. You, you never can. It never happens. Um, uh, and then you uh, you, you sort of uh, you did another internship at uh, it says Iris Worldwide here. Was that also in in uh, in Atlanta? Yeah, I think that was like my last two quarters. I shifted from Digitas and started working on things like wanted to work on some different brands. Yeah. Um, and at Iris, I worked on like Shell and Lamborghini, which was a really mind blowing experience. And I've then I also got to work on one of my favorite restaurant brands. And if you're from the South, you know of a little chicken restaurant called Zaxby's, and I've always wanted to write about food. Yeah. So I got that experience, and I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what uh, what brought you? What's what made you say, okay, I'm moving to New York? Was it uh, was it to come to 72 and Sunny, or was it just I'm going to go there and see what's up? So at, I think my final quarters at the Creative Circus, they have portfolio reviews that are like organized in the cities where the biggest agencies are. So I wasn't necessarily looking to move to New York. In fact, I was kind of against it at first. I was like, I don't know. I hear people in New York are mean. We are. We're mean. We're very mean. (laughs) I hear the people are mean. I hear it's cold. I don't know if I can handle that. I'm a country boy. I've been in Atlanta all my life. And but eventually I was just like, I'll just go and see what's up. And I did not imagine to fall in love with it the way that I did. Like the yeah. agencies aside, I fell in love with 72 and Sunny, but I fell in love with the city. Yeah. Um, just the amount of things to do here, the food, the people. And I saw a future for myself here. So I was like, OK, Ivan, you've been <laughs> in Atlanta all your, not, all your life. It's time to make a move. And I went I think I went up here two days before I officially got the job or before I officially started at 72 and sunny. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. I've been here ever since. Yeah. Uh, and did you have to leave friends behind? And uh, just to that point of, of work-life balance, uh, uh, is it, uh, was that hard and your, your family and all that stuff? Oh, it was definitely hard at first. I got a little, I, I sometimes I still get homesick, not yeah. less than usual, but leaving, my friends, most of my friends still are in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, my family, especially because they, they're they um, northern people, too. My dad's oh. from New Jersey. My mom's from Michigan. But they moved to the south a long, long time ago. And they were so scared. They were like, oh, my God, is he going to be able to handle this? Because I've always been in Atlanta. And I'm just like, Mom, Dad, I, I got it. I You know, I'm an old man now. I, <laughs> I can handle it. Um, I, I miss them from time to time. They always, I think they finally understand what I do now. Yeah. Because they're starting to see like commercials and stuff on TV. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, but they're, they're fine with it now. They just get, they just miss their little boy every now and then. Yeah. And they can come up. They can come up anytime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Alex, uh, you, so you got this, the job as a receptionist at 72 and Sunny. What was it like uh, to come into sort of this advertising world? And um, you, you probably had preconceived notions of what it was like and what were your first impressions? 
Um, I think my first impression was that this is nuts. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's such a interesting confluence of people. And I've always wanted to work in a creative environment, but I didn't know what exactly that entailed. And I think that starting as a reception, it was actually the perfect vantage point for me. Yeah. Um, because I was able to see... Um, all the people coming in and out of the building, the things that we were working on, and I was able to kind of uh, garner an understanding of what the hell actually advertising is. Cause yeah. I, I didn't really, like I knew what advertising was, but I didn't know how ads were made. I didn't know all of the different moving parts associated with it. Yeah. Um, and once I was able to see that, I was just like, okay, like I need to be here. Like this is, <laughs> this is the craziest nuts, most nuts environment possible. And, it started that kind of environment started to feel like home. Yeah. Um, so when I started to, uh, you know, look at what I wanted to do outside of reception, um, I, I did everything that I could to, to learn about the industry and learn about 72 and sunny. And, yeah. and I think it, it paid off. Yeah. What, what were those things that you did to learn about the industry? If somebody's somebody wants to learn about the industry, maybe they could follow uh, some of the things that you did. Yeah, um, listen and ask questions. I think that was the <laughs> the best thing that I could have done. Yeah. Um, but I, what I love, I guess, particularly about 72 and Sunny is that um, they kind of treat everyone, no matter the discipline or role, as a as a creative. Um, so when it came down to um, where I'm at now, um, I kind of raised my hand for a few different things. And the first thing that I raised my hand for was um, an initiative, um, 72 and Sunny's mission, I should say, is to diversify the creative class. And I raised my hand to kind of help with the study. Um, and that's where my anthropology kind of skills kind of came to use. Um, came to use. Yeah. Um, so I, I did kind of a full scale anthropological study of the black population here at 72 and Sunny, um, where I kind of just developed a narrative and and about how to kind of make sure that this is a an environment where people of African descent feel mm. included and belong and feel like they belong here. Yeah. And then from from that, um, I was able to uh, design the first employee resource group here at 72 and Sunny. It's an intersectional um, employee resource group called 72X where we focus not on just like programming, but on education, empowerment, and, and partnering with outside organizations to, to really kind of take concrete steps to diversify the creative class. Yeah. And what are, uh, and you're both, you're both African-American and, and, uh, and you're, um, you're sort of both kind of new to this industry. Um, mm -hmm. And, and uh, how long have you been at uh, 72 and Sunny, Alex? I've been here for a year and a half now. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we have had this problem of diversity and including everything from gender to uh, sexual orientation to ageism um, forever. Um, and what what are some of the things that uh, maybe somebody listening at an agency who wants to do that um, can do to sort of get better at having resources and, and making it feel like uh, it's a home for everybody. Right. Um, I think a, that, that can be a little complicated, but I think a lot of what it boils down to is, is, is the environment in which you're working receptive to 
these kind of things. And I think 72 and Sunny absolutely has been. Um, a lot of the 99% of the initiatives that we've kind of put forth are grassroots. Um, this is where we work and this is our culture. And we have a lot of agency to kind of ship, um, shape and shift the culture um, and push the needle in a direction yeah. in which is a little bit more inclusive for everyone. So, um, what were I some of the of specific uh, initiatives, like uh, one or two uh, grassroots initiatives that, that have taken hold? Right. Um, I think uh, the first one um, was the biggest one, and I think Ivan um, can attest to, attest to its success, was uh, Black History Month. Um, we did things like we renamed all of our conference rooms after influential black people. Mm -hmm. um, we changed the food that we ate in the office. We um, kind of we created art, art installations in each and every one of the conference rooms. Um, we brought in dancers and speakers and, and stuff like that. And it was kind of just a moment for us um, to really change the narrative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, where we were the focus instead of, you know, just kind of this, um, you know, silent minority kind of just, you know, wallowing in the background. Yeah. But um, we were able to kind of explore ourselves in this industry and what it meant to be black in all of its different shapes and forms. And how I think what was great about it is that it fostered a sense of community amongst us. Um, yeah. And I think one that kind of persists today. Yeah, that's great. And I think, I mean, one of the reasons we do this podcast um, for uh, our sponsor, um, uh, Ad, Ad House, is because I, I believe and we believe uh, that there are so many people out there that don't know what advertising is or how it would work. Absolutely. And But like yourself, if they did, they might think it was pretty cool and actually be able to do it really well. Um, it's just that they don't get uh, whether it's cultural from you know parents saying like well you want to do something that you're going to make money at and that's not creative mm -hmm. um, or or just not thinking that they're wanted or or sort of part of that group and I think this right. one of the, this podcast and, and I'm I'm so excited that we have you guys on um, is to show people around the world that, you know, hey, this could be for you. And it's not that, it's not this uh, sort of uh, place where, you know, you're not wanted, um, but they just don't know about it. And so this is just to, to let people know this is the daily life of, of somebody in advertising. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think we could be helping people right now, which is which is pretty exciting. Um, Absolutely. So, so Ivan, uh, yeah. What made you uh, choose 72 and Sunny? Uh, how did you find it? So, like I said before, at the we went to the Creative Circus Portfolio Review in New York. Uh -huh. um, and during that time, we kind of get, like, there's a full portfolio review where you actually, like, sit in a room and people come by from yep. different agencies and, um, you know, talk about their agencies and we show our work and stuff like that. But uh, a few we went to a few offices in the city like actually got the chance to visit them i think we looked at anomaly um rga um 72 and sunny and i think when i walked through the doors here it was one of like the first time i felt like i don't know agencies have this thing where they try to like you can tell when you walk through the room like 
are these people trying to be too cool? Like, do I feel welcome here? Yeah. And I felt like when I walked through the doors of 72 and Sunny, like these people care about their jobs. They care about advertising, but most of all, they just care about having good people in the room. Yeah. And the conversations that we had when we were just talking about advertising in general, just, they just felt good. And it just felt like a home rather yeah. than an agency, which you don't get at a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, and who who do, who do you work for? Who's your uh, who do you show stuff to? And and who are some of the people that have helped you uh, uh, in your in your work there? Yeah, so I think one of the first person that I met that I gravitated towards at um, at seventy two and Sunny, and she's actually my mentor now. Her name is Whitney Yando. Um, she's just been like a really she's a really cool chick and. She would hate if I called her a chick. She's a really cool woman. She teaches. She just. She teaches. You're in me such trouble, to, Ivan. I know she's gonna cut me out as soon as she hears this. Um, but she's an amazing woman, and I think what she teaches, what she taught me how to do, is how to navigate the advertising space, um, and just navigate just like the work, uh, the people that you work with, and yeah. how to talk to clients or how to talk to your creative director. Yeah. Um, she's a senior writer herself, so it's always just helpful to have somebody in your corner who knows that, you know, like, she admits that she doesn't understand everything, and I think she's so humble and just such a beautiful person yeah. to work with. And she's, I don't know, she's she's always fosters an environment for, for learning. And it's great and to she have... doesn't make it seem like she's teaching me. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have a mentor um, that... That Absolutely. you can you can grab was that was that something that was assigned or did you sort of just gravitate to her and then she said hey I'll I'll be your mentor or is that so she recently formally got assigned to be uh-huh. my mentor which was funny because before then she, we were just having so much fun in the office and we sit next to each other and she's just like I don't know just like a beacon of light she's yeah. like a good a good source of positive energy. So we were all kind of. She was already kind of mentoring me without like the formal title, and we finally just made it official. Yeah, recently. Yeah, that's cool. And what do you look for from a mentor? What's what's the? Uh, and then I'll ask the same question to you, Alex, is because yeah. uh, you probably have something to do with that whole system over there. And, and so, what do you look for in a mentor, Ivan? Um. So. I, I think what I look for, I've never really had, first, I've never really had a mentor. Yeah, it sounds like so formal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so weird to finally just, like, say that out loud, but I've never really had a mentor. But now that um, Whitney is kind of, like, sticking with me, I just want a person that, I don't know, treats me like a person mm-hmm. and knows that, I don't know, admits that she doesn't know everything, admits you, that you don't know everything, but willing to figure it out together. She has enough experience to tell me, like, this is how I did it, but that's not the only way. Yeah. And I think in advertising, we get caught up in, like, our silos, and we think that this is the only way, and this is the way things have to be. This is the way you have to present ideas. This is the way you have to talk about your work. And Whitney kind of just shut all that down with, like, present work and how you feel comfortable presenting it. Yeah. And or do things the way you're comfortable of doing. And if it's not right, you know, you tried and you did what you thought was right. And she kind of like guides me from there. But um, I don't know she has like pretty loose range. She's just an awesome person. I think what I overall, what I look for in a mentor is just like somebody humble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Alex, what, what, uh, what is the mentorship program there? How, how does that evolved? 
Right. Um, so it's uh, one of our newer initiatives, um, kind of being driven by the talent team. And um, here at 72, uh, we're really, really big on, on growth um, and in all of its and all of the different parts that are kind of associated with it. Um, so we kind of came up with this mentorship program as a way to really um, propel people into the the um, writer or strategist or or brand person or account person that they wanted to be. Um, and a lot of that involves just um, fostering, um, creating a space where people can foster relationships with one another and mm-hmm. learn from one another. Um, it's a very, um, it's not a very like stringent mentorship program and everything right. like that. We just want people to to build genuine connections with people. Um, and a lot of the times it's not even with people in the same discipline. So we'll have like a an art director who's paired with a producer. Right. It's just all about the relationship and what we can learn from one another mm-hmm. and letting it kind of um, grow organically. Yeah, it's a great way to sort of foster diversity of thought too. So, and and for people Absolutely. to understand one another uh, across disciplines, that's that's really cool. Um, so, you guys are are um, kind of new to the business. What do you think is is the future of of diversity in um, in advertising and 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 how are we gonna how are we going to get past this problem? Is it just something that's going to normalize as we go, or does it take? Uh, is it going to take tremendous effort? What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it is it's definitely going to take tremendous effort. Mm-hmm. I think that um, I'm no, kind of noticing right now that there's kind of like this countdown to 2044, which is the year in which people of color will be the statistical majority in the country. Mm. Um, but just because you're a statistical majority doesn't mean that you have equal representation right. um, across industry and across discipline and what have you. And just because there's a large population of, of um, you know, ethnic minorities and underrepresented people doesn't necessarily mean that they have the same seat at the table. Right. So I think a lot of this is just um, learning and and kind of um, rewriting a lot of wrongs in the sense that um, a lot of people have not been um, given the boots from which to pull themselves up. So how do we give them the boots? How do we open doors for them? And I think a lot of that requires us to to look at data and not just data, but look at very creative and innovative ways to kind of um, foster and forge um, belonging and inclusivity. Yeah. Um, but I think the hardest thing is that there's no right way to do it. There's a million wrong ways to do it, yeah. I think, but there's no single um, way to kind of, uh, I guess, kind of escape from centuries old, um, you know, racial stigmas and, right. and racism and, and misogyny and, and um, you know, gender hatred and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's just kind of a trial and error type of thing. But what we do know is that um, the more diverse voices that are in the room, you know, the better the work is going to be at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think diversity, first and foremost, um, besides it just being good business, it's necessary for the continuation of, of, you know, advertising, it, it has to happen. So, um, 
what do we do to make that happen? And same same question to you, Ivan. What what do you think um, is going to be sort of as as we go forward? Um, how is this going to? How how can we reach out and change things? I think you do a bit of. So I'm hopeful for the future. I think what you do is, I'm imagining a future where more and more agencies and places like this become like 72. Because I think yeah. we realize what you said earlier that. Um, these these jobs are out there. These creative um, people of color are out there. Yeah. We just don't know how to get to them. But what they, what 72 is doing that's really good is, like, we're pulling people that don't come from those traditional advertising backgrounds. Yeah. Like, if I never would have heard of the creative circus, I never would have known what copywriting is. So we're pulling people who don't even, I guess, necessarily know that what those things are, what they exist, but they have the talent. Yeah. And I think we're fostering that creativity here. We're not just, you know, hiring those diverse people and kind of just like throwing them into a fire. We're actually just kind of developing their creativity and developing the skills that they already have. And what I hope in the future is that more and more agencies adopt that model and kind of, I don't know, put their money where their mouth is, hire those people, foster the creativity they already possess, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I, th I think the smart ones will. Um... Yeah. And uh, so we're coming up on uh, we got about you know a few minutes left. Uh, wh what else should we? Uh, what questions haven't I asked? What What do you guys want to talk about? Oh. <laughs> 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 Flipping the script on us. Yeah, I, I flipped um, it up. <laughs> um, I guess you kind of mentioned that um, you wanted to use this podcast as a as a vehicle to kind of reach people who are coming into the industry, but um, what are, I guess, other creative ways in which we can kind of um, reach people who don't often feel like advertising is a place for them? Yeah, I, I think it's it's the places where you reach them. I, I was thinking as we were talking about it uh, of how do we get something like this podcast to the New York City public schools or the right, Atlanta yeah. public schools, you know, because I think that's where it... That's where it starts, especially nowadays when you got to figure out what you're going to be before you go to college. And, like, you know, it's so things are so fast. Um, so how do we get kids that are in junior high school or high school to when they're being sort of tracked into, well, you're an athlete or you're, you know, I was tracked into graphic design, thank goodness, um, because, <laughs> you know, that, that sort of made me go, okay, well, I'm a, I guess I'm a creative person, but... Um, some of my friends were tracked into auto body, right? And so, you know, right. if you're being tracked into this thing in school anyway, they're sort of putting you on a track. How do we find those kids um, and at least let them know that it's out here? You know, we are in advertising. So <laughs> how do we advertise right. advertising to, to young people? Um, and it's the places where they are. So Howard University is a great a uh, place to go, uh, some of the other uh, historical black colleges. Um, but deeper than that, I think it's it's getting to the to the high schools and yeah. uh, getting into the that culture of, you know, hey, this is a, a this is a creative industry. It's really fun, and you can make a lot of money. Um, and uh, it's uh, you know, I think uh, people just don't know. So um, we got to get it out there. Maybe you can help me uh, get this, get the podcast onto uh, into your your colleges. 
um, as, hey, a, as, a, starting, as a starting thing. Because <laughs> um, we don't really advertise our podcast. <laughs> it's, the, <laughs> it's the cobbler's shoes problem, you know? We, we're, like, too yeah. busy advertising other things. Um, well, it was really great talking to you guys. Um, I'd love to Likewise. meet for a beer or something at some point. Uh, you guys are in Dumbo. We're, we're, we're here in Gramercy. Uh, oh, so cool. maybe we could do that someday. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Down for that. Uh, so yeah, have a great day. Thanks for thanks for being yeah. on the A List podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, that was All great, right. guys. That was awesome. <laughs> that was a good one. Thanks, man. thanks so much. Thanks yeah. So, much. Um, so I know you got to go, but yeah, I'm serious. Let's uh, let's get. Uh, I don't know LinkedIn. What's the best way to to connect? Yeah, LinkedIn or email. Okay. Um, I think uh, Sierra has yeah all, yeah all of our information. So yeah, you know, feel free to reach out to us. Great. Um, and then uh, what I do what I do now is I, I do an intro and an outro, just kind of introducing who you are and what we talked about, uh, and then we'll slap it together. Uh, we don't really edit that much. Um, okay. But uh, I think he edits out all my uhs to make me sound really smart, right, Matt? Yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, we'll we'll send it to you guys, and you can uh, check it out, and then you can get your PR machine on it, and uh, we'll let you know when it's going to be up. It's uh, one one of these Thursdays. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah, we'll All definitely right. share it with our agency. Awesome. And then, oh, if you can send Sierra pictures uh, so we can have those, uh, maybe a picture of you both together since you're both in the same agency. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah. However you want to art direct that, that'd be great. And then uh, we'll put it up. We'll put it up on there. Sounds good. Will do. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. So that was my chat with Alex Brueggemann and Ivan Witted II, and really, really nice guys, and both have interesting stories of sort of falling into advertising. It's interesting how so many of our guests end up falling into it. It is kind of one of those things, isn't it? And I think people are going to be inspired by that one. I love the idea of an employee resource group at 72 and Sunny doing these grassroots efforts to diversify from the ground up. I think that's so important and I'd love to learn more about that. And uh, yeah, so this has been The A-List brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. I'm Tom Chrisman. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Share it with friends. Tell your uncle. If you know any uh, high school uh, teachers or, uh, you know, curriculum coordinators that you want to send it to, I think we should get this podcast to every, every kid in America and the world. Right, Matt? If you want to be interviewed for an upcoming episode, you can contact us through adhousenyc.com. Lauren Slaff would be happy to talk to you about that. And uh, yeah, the, the A-List is recorded at Gramercy Post in New York City. You can go to their website, gramercypost.com, to see all the cool stuff that they do. Our engineer and editor is Matt Stillo. Our producer is Sierra Ziegler. Our research assistant is Sophie Melcher. And in, in the studio today, we have Phil Harris from Howard University, HU. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>